From Murphy to Mantio, extraordinary athletes, coaches, administrators, and contributors have impacted the North Carolina sports landscape. For some, their talents left an indelible mark. So much so, they are enshrined in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. It's time to chat with one of those Hall of Famers who dared to be as tall and stately as our Longleaf Pines. Here is your host of 15 Minutes of Fame, Chris Edwards. Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fame. I'm Chris Edwards. Today on the podcast, we visit with the 2015 North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame inductee, John Cloggerty, who spent over three decades as a college basketball official working in the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Atlantic Ten, the Big 12, the Sun Belt, and Conference USA. John worked 27 conference championship games, 26 NCAA tournaments, 12 Final Fours, and four national championship games. One of the most decorated officials in college basketball history, John Cloggerty is our guest today on 15 Minutes of Fame. John, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I look forward to it, Chris. Um, and um, I, I hope we can uh, talk about some good uh, things about my career in basketball. So I'm curious, where did it begin? Where did your love of officiating start, John? You know, um, really early on, Chris, I, uh, I did some intramural games when I was in undergraduate school just to earn a few dollars and then when I went to graduate school, I kept uh, uh, kept at it. Uh, we moved to North Carolina for me to, uh, to get work. I taught at Wake Forest University, and I started doing high school games while I was at, at Wake Forest. And I was fortunate. Uh, there was really a good league, uh, small college, High Point, Catawba, Guilford, Elon, um, and, and they played really fine basketball. And I was able to go from high school, Chris, into the NAIA District 26. And um, we worked two men and you had the referee by the seat of your pants and you just gained experience. And then the next thing, um, I got on the ACC roster. They had freshman basketball, a guy like David Thompson and Burleson and um, uh, Maryland's good players, they all started out playing freshman basketball uh, before they were allowed to play as a sophomore. And I got to work in the ACC freshman basketball for a couple of years, maybe maybe two years. And then uh, they uh, moved me up to the varsity and um, I didn't fall on my face. I made plenty, played money plenty of mistakes, but I kept after it and got better. And one thing led to another. Uh, Because you worked in education, I know you had some teaching jobs. Do you feel like you as a teacher for your profession helped you as an official? I I think it did. You learn uh, how to, uh, your communication skills, uh, Chris, are really important um, in officiating. It's not just call accuracy and uh, those type of things. It's how do you communicate with a coach, how do how do you make the players feel comfortable with you? How do you gain their trust? Uh, there, you know, there's a lot of connection there with uh, teaching and, and education. So, yeah, that that part of it really helped me. You, we mentioned earlier the twelve Final Fours and the four national championship games. Take me through the emotions, John, of when you get selected to work a Final Four or a national championship game, because I imagine they're all pretty special. They are. Uh, there's not one that's not special. There were ones that uh, I think went easier than another. There were some really difficult ones. 
There were some that were controversy, and then there was just some that were just a delight. But um, before I ever got the 85 championship game, I had gone to the NCAA multiple times and never got past the regionals. So I, there was a lot of disappointment there because you always think you should advance in, in, to the next round. But um, maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe I needed those disappointments in the regionals uh, to prepare me for the final weekend. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Chris, you, you think you're always ready, but truly maybe I wasn't ready. But once I got past 85, then uh, I had established myself and the respect was there. The trust was there with the NCAA people. And, um, you know, then I did 86, 87, 88, 89. I was on a roll. But, um, you know, it, it took a while. It, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you talk about trying to get there, and that 88-89 season might have been like the, the best year. You worked the title game in the Sun Belt, the SEC, semifinals and championship game of the NIT, championship game of the NCAA tournament. What do you remember about that year in particular? Well, that year I mentioned there was some controversy, yeah. but in 89, like I had refereed 85, 86, 87, 88, and now I'm in the championship game, and it's the first overtime game in 26 years. Um and I have a lot of confidence. Um, it, it, and we come down to a last possession, and I've got a whistle uh, and put a Michigan kid, Ramil Robinson, at the line with four seconds. And, um, you know, marginal contact maybe. Uh, maybe if I had a slower whistle, uh, I could let the play develop a little bit better. But and I'm making this a long story, but we're in transition. Everybody's in a hurry. I'm, I'm running up the floor. I see the contact, my instincts hat, I call it. And the next thing you know, I'm deciding the national championship with four seconds to go. So everybody in the Northeast is beating me up. The media is killing me. Uh, and I'm having a sleepless night, but I don't go in 90, but I go in 91, 92 and 93. So, you fight your way back. Uh, I had a lot in the bank going for me. I had a great coach in PJ Carlissimo uh, at Seton Hall that did not kill me, supported me. So I survived. But uh, that was probably the most controversial championship. Do you have another championship moment or, or Final Four moment that when you think back, you're really proud of it and that stands out as maybe your, your proudest moment at one of those events? Well, I'd have to think, but you know, um, 88 was a special year. That was before it. But um, Larry Brown is coaching at Kansas, and Oklahoma has maybe the best team in the country. Uh, they had a lot of good players, and they were ranked one every year. And uh, they were uh, Kansas was not uh, was really the underdog, and Oklahoma should have had already beaten them a couple times and. Danny Manning shows up as a young player for Kansas and he put the team on their back and you, there's people who can't remember another player for uh, Kansas, but they remember Danny Manning mm -hmm. and he put them on their back and he took them and we thought it'd be a slower game. It was 50, 50 at halftime and they're just making one hoop after another 
And Oklahoma just couldn't handle Manning, and he took them to the championship. But I remember that because you never know about these games, how they're going to turn. You know, I'm so curious because it's not just the championship games that you and the rest of the officials work. It's the regular season on a night-in, night-out basis, and you're in different cities every other night. What was your philosophy, John, on how you became one of the best officials on a night-in, night-out basis? Because it is a grind, isn't it? It is a grind, but... Um, the older you get, the more experience you get. Uh, you, you have an understanding that officiating is, 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 is not perfect. The standard is you're going to miss calls, okay? So you can't, uh, you can't BS your way through a bad performance. You have to accept that there's going to be bad nights, and you hope the next night's going to be better. But you can't take yourself too serious. Uh, the game is not for you. Um, and I always had that in mind. This game is not for the coaches. This is the this is the players' game, and uh, you're just there to adjudicate the rules and be as fair as you can. And if you miss a call, okay, uh, don't dwell on it. Put it in the in your memory bank and move forward and do the best you can to get the the next dozen plays right. But uh, officials that think they're going to win arguments with with coaches and tell them that uh, they're they're always right and the coach coaches are wrong it doesn't i mean it does you don't have to have the last word in an argument with a coach just explain yourself and move on and it seems chris that i always had had a kind of handle on on those kind of things i didn't you know i never felt even after all the success i never felt i i was more important than anybody else it was it was the players that they came to see. Was there a favorite player or a coach or a moment that you had an interaction with during your career? Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I you know, um, th- this may seem a little bit, but I worked uh, a, a lot of Georgetown games when they were really good. Um, and uh, everybody seemed to be uh, at, a little bit nervous when they had to have John Thompson because he was very verbose and could get angry and you didn't want to see him angry. Okay. I mean, he, he was a six foot 10, big, tough guy, but um, he understood the rules and he never got upset at a technical that he deserved. And, um, and I had to get him and Calhoun who was coaching it two bad tough guys at Connecticut. They're playing each other. And I got both of them in the first five minutes because they were just wired and they were going to ruin my night if they didn't behave. And and I I got both of them and both of them got me afterwards and said to me, I'm coming out with my suitcase and says, John, I think I'm going to get blistered. And they both of them said, John, you did us a service. You quieted us down. And we were we were uh, we were going to make it a, a bad night for everybody, and you helped us. And and I thought to myself, you know what? More officials ought to do something like that. After you retired, you started as the coordinator of officials for three different leagues: the ACC, the Colonial, the A10. What did you like most about that role, and how much pride do you take in what you accomplished as the coordinator of officials for those leagues? Didn't like anything about it, Chris. (laughs) Okay. No, no, I mean, uh, honestly, I enjoyed all my officiating when I was officiating. When you become and manage 54 ACC referees, 
you, you're trying to uh, deal with uh, 16, I'm talking about just the AC, 16 coaches, 16 ADs, 16 administrators above the AD, and nothing coming to your desk is, is pleasant, even from the officials. They're never happy with the number of assignments they get. They're never happy uh, uh, that the other guys getting better games. They're never happy that they're not getting the championship game of the ACC or a semifinal. That it, it's always and then when you see the phone light up and it's a coach or an AD, uh, you you know that that call's not going to be a good call. Okay, but I knew that going in. There was no surprises. But there weren't, and and then on top of all that, you're dealing with officials getting hurt, bad weather, uh, schools uh, games possibly being canceled and rescheduled. So it was a slog for 12 years uh, as a supervisor. I think there's a shelf life in a ACC supervisor's position. What do you think, John, makes a good official? Uh, I if I could pinpoint one thing is don't take yourself too serious. They're not canceling any games if you don't show up, okay? You're, you are just a small part of the whole operation. If your ego takes over and you think that uh, you're more important than you are, you're fooling yourself. They, they, uh, I retired after 30 years and 12 Final Fours, and they never missed a beat. I mean, those games went on and they were well officiated. And you need to get in your head that you're not that important. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this. Obviously, there's been some issues with sportsmanship at the youth levels, which has led to a shortage of officiating and officials that that want to get out there and do it. How do we correct that, John, to to get more people involved in officiating? And how do we correct the sportsmanship issues? You know, Chris, that's a great question. It's a chronic problem. Uh, I don't think money solves the problem. I mean, at the highest level, officials are getting paid really well. But to start down into high school, and um, I have a grandson that's getting into it, it's it's not the money. It's, it's the conduct of the parents, and it's not even the coaches. Coaches can control. It all stems from parents, and um, I don't know how you do that, uh, uh, they there's a demand for officials, both football and basketball, and not only in North Carolina. The North Carolina High School Officials Association is struggling to to fill games. They they don't they don't have enough referees. But if they went from sixty dollars a game to seventy five dollars a game, I'm not sure that brings any officials into the to the mix. They just, I mean, when you get you you go in these gyms and 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 uh, parents get involved and they want to they want to meet you as you walk out the door and uh, scream and holler at you. Um, those officials don't even want to come back. So, Chris, there is no answer. I I, I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, if I knew the answer, I'd probably try to to help uh, and see if I I could work with the North Carolina high school people. But they're they're looking for officials every day just to cover games. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Chris. I don't know. I wish it was an easy solution, John. I really do. Yeah. How do you, I mean, it, it, you got to get to the parents and, 
and make them act like uh, adults rather than juveniles. Uh, speaking of kids, if you could go back and give eight-year-old John some advice, what would the biggest piece of advice be that you would give your, your younger self? Just have fun, okay? I mean, officiating, getting out there, being if you if you're not participating as a player, and you you know uh, just uh, we can't lose the enjoyment of it. I I I go watch another grandchild. She plays at uh, Raleigh Charter Girls Basketball. And um, I, I see a lot of fun in those those young kids playing. Then I I mean I see the uh, the recreation. I have another grandchild that plays in the recreation league. Um, don't take it too serious. You're not going to be the next star. Um, and if you're an official, a young official, find a way to enjoy it. Uh, I I'm ta- I know it's idealistic, but. I can't ever remember that I didn't enjoy officiating at, at, at any level. That's perfect. John, thanks so much for the time and what you do for the Hall of Fame. You know, Chris, I appreciate it. I hope your podcast continues to have success. Thanks to John Cloggerty for the time today on the podcast, and thanks to you for joining us. Hope that you'll join us for our next episode right here on 15 Minutes of Fame.